Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CAPITAL200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CAPITAL200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Make someone's day today. No reason necessary. Just say happy any day with Choice Multi-Store gift cards. Available in stores and at giftcards.com. again for Corner to Corner, Monday night, C2C. Hope everybody had a tremendous Independence Day. We are live on our, on C2CRadioShow.com and Spreaker.com and all points in between. I'm Stan Grubb, my tag team partner, Brian Taylor. Listen, so the next time you count me down, there better not be such a delay, right? I have fans. Uh-huh. They want to hear me talk. Yeah, fan. I want to hear myself talk. That's important. Well, you do Can love you the sound of your own voice. We know this. I do. I do. <laughs> and you delayed me. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I mean, literally, you were like, okay, 60 seconds. So I, I shut up. And then you're like, three, two, one. I was about to say something, and then we got dead air. And I was like, this guy, <laughs> this mf right here. Well, we've always got the intro music. Now, I have I have followed your advice. We don't do 30 seconds on the intro music anymore. We usually do about 15. I cut that yeah. in half. So we, yep. slow, we, we cut that out to give us Every, more time to hear our voices. Right, right. And remember, it's five, four, three, and you cut it at three. And then oh, two okay. and one are silent. I see. I see. So yes. it's the two and one that are silent. Ah, yes. yeah. It's yeah. the ones and twos that are silent. The ones and twos. Ones and twos. Where's Eddie Lane when we need him? The master of the ones and twos. That's right. Sometimes yeah. you just got to give a shout out. Eddie, we miss you. We miss you, Eddie. I'm, I'm dumping the proverbial um, Cavassier. Oh, wow. Think. Pour one out for one of our homies. Yeah. Pour it out. <laughs> Not uh, that he's passed or anything. No, no, no. Eddie's fine. <laughs> we just haven't we haven't we haven't uh, worked with Eddie in a little while. I know he's been very busy this summer. 
um, working with, he has been working with a lot of different couples, doing a lot of weddings. So he's, he's a popular man. The DJ. Popular. <laughs> you can, of course, catch up with Eddie at beyondringside.com and fullrangeentertainment.com where he can be booked for his weddings and bar mitzvahs and sweet 16s and uh, retirement parties, I think. I think he does. Yay! Retirement. Wow, look at Jinder Mahal rolling up on a nice uh, nope, nice little Harley. Let's, yeah. let's, let's go smack yourself. Nobody wants to look at Jinder Mahal. You know, I agree, but Twitter doesn't. Twitter loves Jinder Mahal. I don't know why. He was part of three-man band. But it's like their fascination with Heath Slater. Like, look, all respect to the hard work these guys do, but come on. Do you tune into wrestling to watch a guy like Heath Slater or Jinder Mahal? I don't. I'm just saying that I was pointing out the Harley he had looked cool. But, you know. Listen, Heath has kids. He does have kids. At least Heath has an excuse. That's a fair point, Brian. You bring up good information. So I, I, I always try to be very careful when we talk about both positive and negative things here. Um, but unfortunately, we had some crummy news come across our desk uh, this past week. One of the first guests that we ever had on our show. Um, we talked to Tom Fizzlinger, of course, with Clash or Champions of the Galaxy, the dice game. But I am talking about uh, Del Wilkes, the Patriot. Uh, and we found out earlier this week that unfortunately Dell passed away from a uh, a heart attack. Uh, he was 59 years old. Um, I don't know a, ho- a whole lot else other than that. Outside of that, he was very vocal, both politically and um, wrestling wise. He was very gracious with his time with us. I think he gave us about an hour when we talked to him, um, and it was one of those times where. You know, you are grateful for having the opportunity to meet one of, in my opinion, like for me, one of my heroes. Because growing up, he was one of my favorites. Um, Global Wrestling Federation was the place for cool wrestling on a, well, it was weekly, but it was also, I think they showed it daily at some points, didn't they? Uh, I think, I think, I think they did. Uh, I want to say, so if I remember right. Uh, you had world class, AWA. Um, I think maybe something else on ESPN, and then eventually world class kind of uh, goes away, mm-hmm. and then you get same thing with AWA, right? And then I think Global pops up, and I want to say. Maybe it was sharing time with AWA for a while, mm-hmm. and then it became, like, the only thing on. Yeah, when World Class went away, um, it was AWA still had, had kind of outlasted them. And then as they were closing up shop, as they were getting close towards the end of their run, we start seeing Global on Fridays at 3.30 on ESPN. And I remember that was the first time that I saw the Patriots. And the coolest part about the Patriot was, at the time, my oldest brother was in the Marine Corps, and he was serving in Desert Storm. And I know it's corny, I know it's campy, but it also was an awesome feeling to watch a guy that looked different. He wasn't Hulk Hogan. You know, he wasn't the Ultimate Warrior Sting. He was just a different guy, but he was, you could tell, 
that he had this very something special to him. And he took on everybody. And he was one of those good guy characters that when he wins the global North American title, and I looked up all the stats on global win this, that's what's going to lead us to our topic today, by the way. But I looked up all the stats on global and looked up the results. And I remember when he wins the North American title, Brian, I don't know if you remember, but he won it by disqualification. No, no, yeah. I you're talking for me. Uh, September of 91. Oh, 30 years? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. September of 1991, I remember watching it when I got home from school that day. It was so cool, but he wins the belt by disqualification, and he stops the celebration. He stops his music. He stops everybody. He says, I don't want the belt this way. There were very, very few good guys back then that ever did that. I can't think of very many. So it was different. It was unique. The booking style, I mean, they, they aired from the Sportatorium um, uh, at least a few times. I know they were in Memphis at some points, too. But the coolest part was watching the Patriot. And, of course, his finisher at that time was the Patriot Missile, the diving shoulder block from the top. Uh, Dell was formerly part of what was called the State Patrol. Um, he transitioned into the masked wrestler. We've done, we did a full-on history of him when we hit, when we spoke with him. I will be rebroadcasting that. Um, I'll put it back up for upload probably sometime this week, and we'll we'll figure out maybe we'll air it live or something. But anyway, the conversation we had with him described his time in Japan, where the Patriot and the Eagle really were were shining stars. He talked about his matches with Steve Williams, so he had a lot of credibility. But like many wrestlers, especially of that time, he had a lot of demons. And he was completely honest and open with us about them. Um, drug abuse was huge, prescription drugs. That was where he ran into the most trouble. But it was after he retired that he got clean, he got sober, and he got his life together in a way that was inspirational to many wrestlers and many uh, fans. Stone Cold Steve Austin did multiple interviews with him. I believe he did interviews with couple of different shows on Conrad Thompson's network and ultimately what he did was he set a tone for hey look just because you're retired just because you've been in trouble doesn't mean you're done you know kind of like Scott Hall did later on um, so I want to completely pass along our condolences to the Wilkes family um, and our gratitude to the Wilkes family for sharing Dell with us um, for many years, but also to Mr. Wilkes uh, for his time. And uh, he would definitely be missed. Amen. Uh, normally I would do a 10 bell, but I wanted to, honestly, I, I, I felt like Dell had an appreciation of what, Mr. Wilkes had an appreciation of what it means for the show to go on. And as I was doing research for what I wanted to say about about the Patriot today, I started looking at, statistics and I started looking at old show results and it came to mind that they there were a couple of times where you read in the results where Joe Pettisino there's a name a blast from the past has a a 30 or 60 second news brief where he talks about different rumors and news and he had a 900 number and I thought damn how the hell did we get news back then because you had only a, a few different ways. Now, now, professional wrestling, I mean, we have partners. We, we partner with NoDQ.com. We partner with WrestlingHeadlines slash LordsOfPain.com. We have 
it doesn't matter where you look. You could find news. You could find spoilers. But back in the 90s, back before 1997, you really couldn't find true rumors. You had to know somebody. Like, you could, you, you could subscribe to Dave Meltzer, and I don't remember what his uh, prices were, but I remember seeing them in uh, some of the resources we had publicly, which was really what many affectionately call the Aftermax. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, Wrestling Review. Um, there was a magazine called New Wave Wrestling. There was WoW Wrestling after 97 into the 2000-ish era. But that's what I figured we'd talk about today, Brian, was back before the internet was huge, back before it was really a thing, like, where did you get your wrestling news? You? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had I had uh, some ways. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but, I mean, the way, it, the way, you know, I don't know, I guess you'd call it news from the wrestling mags. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, even back then, it was just like uh, an extension of the show. Mm-hmm. More, more than anything for me. I mean, of course, there would be from time to time, like you would find actual news. Um, as far as like, you know, maybe somebody gets hurt, you know, uh, that type of stuff. But um, I never really looked at it in the sense that it was news. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, it was just, it was like, again, it, it, it extended the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it it uh, fleshed the story out, I guess, so to speak. Um, some of them. Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I was big into, I think it was The Wrestler and Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Mm-hmm. were the two that I was especially at one time I was diehard uh, you know when magazines were plentiful mm-hmm. in uh, in stores those were the two um, I got um, maybe the review every once in a while um, but I was big into uh, pro wrestling illustrated Mm-hmm. And if for whatever reason I couldn't find Pro Wrestling Illustrated, then it, it was The Wrestler. Uh, some mo- some months there'd be you know something on the cover that might would uh, draw me in, so I got both. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those were primarily my. Uh, my joints, if you will, to, you know, places I would go find, um, you know, if you want to call it news, news. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time or an article or column that you read that just made you go, holy crap, is that is that real? No. I, I mean, again, I mean, uh, you know, we've done, the, we've talked about this before. Um, by the time I was 12, mm-hmm. you know. I already knew, um, right? You know, um, and when I, you know, when I say knew, I mean I knew, I legit knew, mm-hmm. you, you know. <laughs> so, um, 
and that would have been, I don't remember, see, I moved to Culpeper when I was 13, I think. Mm-hmm. So before then, I don't think I really bought a wrestling bag. Wait, back up just a second. Sorry. You mm-hmm. said you moved to Culpeper when you were 13? Yeah. No shit. That's that's actually how old I was when I moved to Culpeper. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but when we moved, we moved into a house directly across from a 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, it, like, I could have picked up a rock and thrown and hit the 7-Eleven. That's how close we were. So, at, when I was 13, <laughs> it was absolutely no problem to walk over there and get a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, long about the time I was 13, that's when, you know, you save up your lunch money. Yep. And I was either buying comic books or I was buying pro wrestling mags. Um, Hey, where'd you get your comics back then? 7-Eleven. Same place? Back when they used to have the the circular rack. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I, anywhere, but again, 7-Eleven was primarily it. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, you know, like once a week I could walk over there and if I saved up enough lunch money, I could buy, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. then if I needed more, my, you know, cause back then I wasn't buying, you know, 20 of them a week, you know, mm-hmm. I might have been buying one or two a week and it was, my mom would uh, help with that habit too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just I always looked at it as an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, now I did I did enjoy the articles um, out of places that I I knew nothing about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so any international articles um, which would appear in there every once in a while, um, anything about a smaller promotion. Uh, sometimes they would do comparisons, you know, like dream match type scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, those were fascinating to read. Um, I remember one about when Rick Martel was AWA champ, Hogan was WWF champ, and Flair was NWA champ. Mm-hmm. Um, that one comes to mind and sticks in my mind um, because – I don't. I don't really think I knew much about Martel, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, he was on a show that you know I, I I might get to. You might see him, you know, once a week or whatever. Um, but uh, he would have had the title more towards the end of AWA, I think, and you know, in the later years. So it may be I didn't even get to see any AWA it might have been watching you know something else mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean a lot of those articles were fascinating I used to enjoy reading them um, I still have I mean I have pro wrestling illustrated upstairs mm-hmm. um, but you know the cool thing about that is you also had like the top tens um, you know out of, of the major promotions so those were interesting to read and 
uh, try and keep track of. That was that was how I educated myself on who was around me. Like you could go through my favorite sections was usually the top tens and the results from across the country. Like you could read the results of different. They they would sometimes have indie promotions. Most times it was the big promotions and then a few smaller ones. Um, but then you could see, like, oh wow, who's this guy that worked worked at a pro, uh, at a house show for WWF? Who's this guy that worked at a house show for NWA? Like, who are these new people? And then that's how I learned about, like, Eddie Gilbert. Like, I remember watching Eddie Gilbert. Historically, I watched Eddie Gilbert footage, like, into the late 90s, early 2000s, like, is when I started watching it. Because I never really saw it before. But I learned about him, and I knew about just how dangerous he was as a performer as far as his character um, because of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, because of the wrestler. Like, when he gets blinded. When he gets hit by a car, it hits Jerry Lawler with a car. You know, all of those things you learn about. If you had access to it at the time, you watched it on ESPN. But if you didn't, you were seeing it on um, in PWI. Let's see. So back during that time frame, like, and this is, for me, when I looked at it, I was like, what, what was it that, that I remember seeing and, I remember, like, the you mentioned the what-ifs, like the dream match comparisons. I remember the the comparisons. Of course, the obvious one was Hogan and Flair. They did that, like, all the time. But sometimes you'd get Randy Savage and Dusty Rhodes. You'd get, um, like you said, Rick Martell and Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Like, who would have won with that? And at that time, that may have been one of those situations where Rick Martell, um, quite frankly was underrated as hell that maybe never got his due uh, I don't know if I'd say that uh, I, I just think that where you were located mm-hmm. um, you know again you have to remember back then it was the territories right right so if the only place you get to hear about Rick Martell is in a magazine Mm-hmm. Right, you you don't know what the AWA crowd feels. Right, you know what I'm saying. So on a national level, level you may look and say, well, he's underrated, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you know. Maybe just in Virginia, you know, in the Crockett's they think he's underrated, but everywhere else, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying. So it, right. it would, a lot of it would depend on. Uh, the type of uh, exposure he got, right? Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, um, AWA was on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ESPN was national. Um, but that doesn't mean everybody had it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you don't have it and all you have is a magazine and you see him every once in a while, then. You know, I, I would think it would. You, you could probably say he was underrated, but um, I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of people that uh, probably would feel different. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would imagine if we had this conversation back in the '80s, you could probably very easily find one person that you know, not well, not one person, but find many people that would argue the point that he was better than 
uh, Hogan and Flair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you remember any of the names of the writers that wrote for them? Uh, what was it, Stu? Stu Sachs. Yeah. Yep. Eddie, uh, Eddie the, Elner or Einer, I think is how it's supposed yeah. to be. Um, did Bill write any? Uh, Bill Apter wrote a lot of different ones. He took a majority of the pictures. Um, yeah. And if you're ever curious, by the way, a great book to check out is Bill Apter's uh, autobiography, Is Wrestling Broken? Uh, is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. Sorry, I didn't mean to botch the title, Mr. Apter. Um, but it's a great book and a great uh, just look at how this guy grew the business, grew within the business as well. But he took a majority of our photos of our of our fandom, if you think about it. Yeah. Now, I actually met Bill mm-hmm. uh, at the Richmond Coliseum one time. Oh, wow. Uh, he was out front, and uh, me, I went down there with two other friends, mm-hmm. and they were just as big wrestling fans as I was. They were like, hey, let's go to Richmond tonight. And I said, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got there early. It was a TV taping, um, which back then, for those of you that don't know what a TV taping is, a TV taping is when a promotion goes to an arena and they record right. hours. <laughs> when I say hours, <laughs> I mean hours, right? So you, you you know, I guess ROH would probably still do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Impact still does it. Um, AEW will probably do it um, sometime. Well, yeah, sometime or another. Um, it's kind of like watching, uh, you know, when we went to DC mm-hmm. and they, they Dynamite was live and they recorded Dark after. If I remember right, mm-hmm. yeah, dark. They recorded dark after, right? Well, but that—that's what a TV taping is. It's not a house show. All right, they're completely different. A house show is if the if you notice a camera there at a house show, chances are something's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Normally they're not. You know, you don't see the cameras like you would a normal TV tape, right? Now I'm sure they're recorded, but you know. Again, they wouldn't be out in the open like they they are in a TV taping right. or a live event. Uh, so that's the difference between a house show and a TV taping. Uh, you may see the same type of matches, which are a lot more lower card matches than compared to Raw or SmackDown mm-hmm. or Dynamite or Impact. Um but again, you can be there for hours, right? I, I went to NWA and it was like three hours. And back then, I, I was probably seventeen. Um, to me, I got my money's worth, right? Because mm-hmm. that was probably the the even pay per views back then were only about two hours. They weren't normally they weren't three hour events. Mm-hmm. Um, but a house show or not a house show, but a TV tape. And again, you can be there for hours. 
And this one particular one, was it NWA TV taping? And um, we met him out front. Mm-hmm. And he had, he had like his little... Uh, camera bag and he had pictures in it and he was kind enough to take a few minutes and talk to us and so it was kind of cool what was a what was a young wonderful willie like back then man oh i mean again he was kind enough to take a few minutes and talk to us yeah so what kind told of stuff us who he was Dude, i can't remember that's 30 years ago come on man <laughs> jog the memory okay you dropped, where were you 30 years ago? Uh, let's see. <laughs> exactly. Shut uh, up. There's uh, your memory. <laughs> he told me to shut up, kid. <laughs> Get out of my way. I got pictures to take. <laughs> yeah, I got pictures to take. Um, yeah, so. So, of course, you were you were in Richmond all the time with, with wrestling nearby there. You mm. That's how you really cut your teeth as a fan. Yeah, the the Richmond Coliseum, I would say. Mm-hmm. I can remember going to like the Norfolk Scope, and this is right around 1990, where <laughs> I remember my dad taking me. We watched the WWF. I saw all kinds of different different guys, everything from Demolition to the Rockers to um, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, Earthquake, you name it. All of the all of the major names back then, as far as WWF was concerned. But I remember. In the weeks leading up, buying Pro Wrestling Illustrated and buying I, – I didn't buy WWF Magazine. I wasn't a big reader of that one, but I did like their WWF Spotlight. So when they came out with, like, the bios of Bret Hart, and you, they did a few on Bret, as a matter of fact, when he was in tag team and when he was a single star. But they did them on Randy Savage. They did uh, The Ultimate Warrior. And I remember buying the one about The Ultimate Warrior before that just to kind of get ready as a kid, you know, to go, go and learn about one of my favorites. But I remember how it would, those, those magazines were huge in just what they could teach you. And in, in the spotlight ones, of course, those were more geared towards the machine. But when you would get issues like uh, the PWI 500, or you would get the end of the year awards, I always loved those because then you could learn about, you know, wow, who, this is who's considered to be the best in the industry today. This is who the fans consider to be the best. Like, you'd have Wrestler of the Year, you'd have Tag Team of the Year, Most Hated Wrestler of the Year. And it was almost like it was help helping you learn, okay, this is who I should boo and who I should cheer. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it ever... Any, any, I don't think any Mac really ever did that because, again, I was always kind of uh, like who I rooted for was not always mm-hmm. who I should have rooted for, if that makes sense, right? So I remember, I mean, I can remember root for Ric Flair back when he was jumped by uh, Valentine and Piper, I think it is, and mm-hmm. you know they like ripped his suit off of him and left him a, a mess right there at the uh, the interview spot mm-hmm. you know so you know as far as I know I've always been a Ric Flair fan 
you know, I was a, a road warrior fan, but that was easy. I was a, a the fan of the Russians and, you know, for, I just, I liked the bad guys, you know, I didn't let mm-hmm. anybody, you know, really dictate who I should cheer for, who I should boo. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought there. Um, you know, so I never, I never really let a magazine influence me. Uh, I will say though that I did, um, I don't, I don't think with the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this, but with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? (laughs) Of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think I ever got any of the spotlights, but I did you know, uh, do the WWE magazine mm-hmm. every once in a while. Um, so I guess that would have, what Spotlight would have been first, and mm-hmm. then did it uh, turn into the WWE magazine or WWF magazine? So Spotlight would come out alongside WWF Magazine, but really WWF Magazine was designed to gear people towards the merch. Because if you remember, they had a pull-out catalog of all of their stuff, like their T-shirts, their hats. Their, 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 you could order wrestling figures, their wrestling uh-huh. figures, of course. Um, but you could order like their LJNs or their Hasbros when they first started coming out. Um, but really, that was what it was. And when you'd go to shows, if you bought a program, you would get, you would get the the program that has, you know the there's a most recent edition of WWF magazine, uh-huh. and you would have the pullout catalog for merch, and WCW always because you remember WCW had a magazine starting in like late '89, early '90, and theirs was theirs was always geared towards TV, theirs was geared towards, um talking about like the main feuds and the main characters but their merchandise wasn't necessarily a pull like pull out catalog but it was in the middle of the issue so you had to flip through the magazine and of course see the pictures and posters and everything um in order to get to it so that's where that's how people got merchandise back in the day you didn't get it like at the at the hot topic or on a website you had to go to at the hot topic now i sound old <laughs> you, you'd have to actually get it through like an 800 number. You remember when they would put the 800 number on during the shows and you could call it uh, order merch? Uh, yeah, but I mean, they had 800 numbers for a lot of things. Rumors, news rumors. Oh, yeah. Call now. Now, uh, it's not an active number anymore, but it's 900, 909, 9900, where Mean Gene would have the scoop for you. Uh,. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I ever. I I, I I do like kick myself for not ordering the LJNs. Oh yeah. Off of the back of the mags. Yeah, me too. Um, but I don't think I ever like ordered anything from 
from uh, wrestling mag. Again, I you know I can remember like always seeing the uh, what was it the black carded LJNs. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, remember because you'd see the barbarian, always the yeah. Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude. Yeah, and I mean there were times too where um, you could get more than that. I mean I think originally it was you could get almost all of them from the back and then it turned mm-hmm. into the black carded figures mm-hmm. and then um you know again i i really kicked myself for not taking advantage of that one and i remember they used to even back then they used to sell belts i remember because you could go through the little checklist and you could buy belts those and were my favorites wwe magazine in, uh, in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I don't remember the belts. Not that I would have bought one. Anyway, but I would well, imagine even back then they were expensive. Oh yeah, back then I want to say they were they were two three hundred bucks, and two three hundred bucks back then, that's like a thousand bucks now. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, just getting that because I don't know about you, but school lunch back then was what a dollar dollar fifty. Oh, I don't. I couldn't so tell you that. Your lunch money was uh, only going, but so far. Now, I will say that when it comes to wrestling news and wrestling magazines, it did give me my love for play-by-mail role-playing game wrestling, which is the IWA. Because if you remember, every month in Pro Wrestling Illustrated and The Wrestler and Wrestling Review, and you name it, all the other after mags. You had the IWA, the Imaginary Wrestling Alliance, where you could fill out a little application. You could choose your 15, 20 favorite moves, and you could send them 10 bucks. And then in a few weeks, you'd get a newsletter, a printed newsletter with your created wrestler and results of all of the matches that they competed in. So what you're saying is you had no friends. Oh, when they, as a wrestling fan, as a wrestling fan, maybe you had friends because you were, you know, you were a kiss ass. But I, I I mean, I I was not a, I was not a popular kid. I was friends with a a future NWA tag team champion. Okay, so you had one friend. Good job, good job. When I got the cold pepper, I I made friends. I I had plenty of friends. (laughs) Well, you were also on the football team. So you had friends. Oh, it was going to happen. Oh, oh, is that, is that you were a jock. Huh? You were one of those because, those dumb jocks. <laughs> because I was a jock, and I, that's what got me friends. Did you pay him? Well, listen. No. <laughs> However, you apparently had to pay yours. So. Only you, twice on Sundays. We're, we're putting this out there. <laughs> we're putting this out there. Yes, sir. For, for anybody who's listening. Anybody. You don't have to pay for friends. Never. You don't have, Never to, you pay don't for have friends. to. You don't have to be a stand. Learn from my mistakes. Learn from my weaknesses. <laughs> no, I, I had this, in junior this high. This bit had, had me at imaginary wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had friends that were wrestling fans before I got to Culpepper. There wasn't a lot of them, but I had a few. But if you weren't, like, a comic book fan and a wrestling fan, I really just didn't have too much to talk about with you. I, I mean, I did swim team, and I did soccer and t-ball like most kids do at certain so, points, but I never really did anything outside of that. 
in school. So, what you're telling me is you were jock. No, not really. You were in the, you were you swam. I did. I did swim. Does that count? And what else did you do? Uh, I was soccer team. Did soccer? Soccer team. Both are Olympic sports, so yes, they count as sports. Oh, uh, now there's 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 legit sports fans right now getting ready to at me on Twitter. So, and you can't you can't use the nerdy comic book gimmick because I had that going too. Wow, um, it's a gimmick now. Okay, got it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, when you use it as like, I have no friends because I, I had was, no friends. I Nobody was on the swim me, team. I was on the <laughs> soccer team. But because I collected comic books, nobody liked me. Hey, ask ask Rob. Rob, when he when he gets here here in a little bit, ask him. When I first got to Culpepper, legit, he was the only person that talked to me because I made fun of band. Listen, <laughs> Rob. Rob told me that. He was informed by your counselor, your guidance counselor, that there was a new kid in school, and they paid Rob to (laughs) uh, help you along. You know, the sad thing is, and I think you would know this because Culpepper, um, they probably did do that. (laughs) They they might have. And the the problem is, Stan is still getting, Rob is still getting paid today to carry your butt. He gets residuals. Yeah, he gets residuals. (laughs) Royalty checks. (laughs) Uh, now, I mean, you know, I understand back then that, you know, pro wrestling was not the popular thing. But you got to remember, it's before the Attitude Era, before everybody was saying suck it to their teachers. This was like, uh, and this is going to insult somebody, but like Duke the Dumpster Drossy and, and the Goon days. And even before no, no, that. No, like no, before yeah, that. that was well before that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like... Uh, Shoot, come on, man. Help me out with some of the gifts. Spider-Man, Black Arachnaman. Black Bart. Yeah, Black Bart. The outlaw Ron Bass. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, he was never going to win a match. Don't play. The Ron Bass. Got yeah. Him. You know, guy love him, but yeah. 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 Was... yeah. The ding-dongs. They came to the ring with a bunch of bells all over him. <laughs> Uh, laser, what was it? Laser, laser Tron. Tron. Yep. <laughs> laser Tron. He had the little, the little circuit board on his arm. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was the new breed? Yeah. I mean, oh, there, were, there were a lot of them. Um, yeah. So. And of course the, the, any hillbilly gimmick, any, you know, any mountain man, any, uh, come on. It, it, the, the truth or pro wrestling secrets or whatever that, that documentary that came out in 97, Back in the day, that was what <laughs> that was what wrestling was. You had to filter uh, through all of that to find the cool stuff, like Rick Rude and and uh, the Blackhearts. You remember the Blackhearts from Global? They were cool. They used to do that. Um, they did the original Twin Magic. Of course, they were masked, so you didn't know who's who. Yeah, but I, I don't think they were the originals of that. I'm sure there were plenty of them before then. There's never been identical twins before them. Never. I don't, I don't know. No, I yeah, but no I'm, talking idea. Like, I'm talking like two masked guys that, you know that what I'm saying? tricked everybody. Yeah, that tricked everybody. Even though you knew, you knew, right, but right. the ref didn't know. Yeah. Referees paid to be the dumbest animals on the face of the planet. That's uh, nice. I didn't see anything. Nothing's happening here. That's not nice. And I did see what the Bushwhackers did, and I did 
disqualified. The cost them in the pocket. So there. What that what that get for you? What that do for you, buddy? I'm not saying. How many germs I, do you think they passed I to you? Very, <laughs> I may very well be the referee for one of their last matches, right? Now that that may certainly be true, sir. Yes. So there. I don't know of a lot of matches they worked after that. Uh, yeah, I don't either. I'd uh, be curious to know if we could track that down, but it's hard to say. Well, we've talked to we've talked to Mr. DeVore about it, and I remember him telling us that there's still footage available of it. The well, I, uh, the Woodies probably. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. I do know that the, the guy in New Zealand who was trying to write the book uh-huh. thinks it's one of their last matches and may very well be their last match. How so. cool is that? What a feather in your cap, dude. To referee one of the most legendary tag teams in, in professional wrestling. One Their of the last, last match. match. Yeah, that yep. would be, that's huge. That's a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. Now, when those when those moments come and, and you see these, these big name matches, and do you get on the trampoline and get yourself ready? Make sure you're ready to go. What do you mean, trampoline? Yeah. Is it, it's a bad attempt at a joke. Beyond the mat, yeah. where the guy doesn't get booked for the Terry Funk retirement show. You know the the fifty thousandth Terry Funk retirement. Oh uh, no, I don't. I don't remember that. Uh, you would have had to have been like, "Hey, do you remember? You know, whatever show you were just talking <laughs> yeah. to. I forgot what show. Remember that scene about. in Beyond the Mat where the guy starts jumping on the trampoline to get himself ready because you never know when that phone's gonna ring. No. Yeah, like I said, but, it was a bad attempt. But had, to you, had you given me fair warning, I probably could have been like, I could have sounded convincing, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you would have at least given a nice, convincing laugh. I would appreciate yeah, that, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. See, you gotta, every day, every day we're learning something new. Yeah. You got to, you got to, I mean, if you're going to pitch me, you know, baseball, you got to let me know it's a softball. Right, right. Got to make sure that you're aware of what's coming to you. I understand yeah. now, sir. I am I am learning the force as we go. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but uh, getting getting back to the magazine, so we're now in what the nineties mm-hmm. uh, with uh, WCW and the WWF one. Um, so I, I I I know I have WWF upstairs. Mm-hmm. I may have one or two WCWs. Uh, I think ECW had a magazine. They did. They did. Um, Um, They were under the same group as PWI. As a matter of fact, it was Kappa Publishing, I think is what the company was called. I don't know what the name of the company was, but I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Now, I, I, I do... I, I may have, I think I may have the first issue of ECW, because mm-hmm. um, I want to say when it first came out. Um, well, I, I I guess it might have been the first one. Um, you know, the first time I saw it, I bought it, mm-hmm. and I want to say it was the first one. Um. I, I think I may have that upstairs but on that one. 
but that was cool because you know again knowing about ECW but not really ever getting to see it mm-hmm. um, I use that to keep track of you know the, the little ECW news well and that's and that's again another magazine that Bill after snap photos for and you get all these looks at like New Jack and the gangsters doing just some of the craziest stuff you've ever seen. Boss Mahoney, Axel Rotten, um, just doing stuff that like, what the hell is happening over there in Philadelphia? Like, what are they doing to each other? Uh-huh. Uh, and it was, it, the look was different too. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, um, Here's to you, permanent resident of the snack table. For without you, how would we know that a bun is merely a vessel for delivering Eckridge smoked sausage to your mouth? And that there's no shame in being the first to get seconds. Mm. Here's to you. Eckridge smoked sausage. You do you. Here's to you, permanent resident of the snack table. For without you, how would we know that a bun is merely a vessel for delivering Eckridge smoked sausage to your mouth? And that there's no shame in being the first to get seconds. Mm. Here's to you. Eckridge Smoked Sausage. You do you. It wasn't like uh, pro wrestling. It wasn't like the wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was almost like, you know, the pictures were full page pictures and it was on a high gloss mm-hmm. uh, paper. And, um, it was really different than uh, anything else out there at the time. Yeah, it was it was all glossy photos, all glossy pages. Um, you know, the back in the day we had the black and white pages, and then the color posters and color full color write ups in the middle of PWI. But for the most part, it was all black and white like newsprint. So ECW magazine, WWF magazine, WCW magazine, they were the full glossy because they had a they typically had a larger budget. And if you can hear him in there, yep, we were, we're Brian, we're joined by the one and only Rob Hefner. Rob, what's up, man? Hello, sirs. Sorry I'm late. No problem. We we keep we keep the light on for you, just like uh, whatever that place is. They're not our sponsors, so I don't I don't want to plug them. And I don't I wouldn't stay there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Rob, we're talking about news before 97 like where did we get our news and brian and i were talking about talking about pro wrestling illustrated we talked about the wrestler bill after Stu Sachs, all these different people and we've been talking about just kind of that, that where we got news and rumors before the internet was a big deal before facebook before the aol and prodigy stuff where did you find your news uh Mainly, I got it from, I mean, the only thing I could find for years was Pro Wrestling Illustrated and and then The Wrestler. And then every once in a while, when I would go to my grandparents' town, they had this magazine store. And they always had some of the, you know, like, I guess, wrestling magazines that weren't mainstream. Mm -hmm. No. And so every once in a while, I got to pick up one of those where I'd see, you know, Lex Luger from when he was down in Florida and and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I was a subscriber to the WWF magazine when it was out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that magazine, and then I had, uh, like I said, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And then um, I guess it's probably after 97 was 
was wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, but uh, I mean, yeah, you you waited every month to see who how who's the top ten and who is this and who is that and how's that going, you know. So, I asked, it was exciting. I asked Brian earlier, and I'll ask you the same question. Was there ever an article or a column or a rumor that you read in the magazine that, that made you question, wow, is, is that real? I guess, like, the thing that I always got my hopes up for is because they would always fight champion versus champion, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they would always hype the super card. Mm-hmm. You know, Hogan versus Flair, and then Steamboat versus, you know, Blanchard and different people like that, you know. Um, because that's back when you never, you know, as a kid, you didn't realize that these are all these people worked together at one point, you know, or, mm-hmm. and, um, and then that's also where I learned about like world class and, how they had the super cards, you know, with world class and AWA, and I guess it would be Memphis would also go there. Um, well, NWA, it was NWA, world class, and AWA would clash in Texas somewhere and have these big super cards. Um, and then they would hype, like, is WWF next? Are they going to come, you know? That's the biggest rumor I think I saw was that. I mean, I also remember being heartbroken when I when they broke the story of the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan getting busted together in a van. Because, <laughs> like, like yeah. as a kid, I'm like, but why are they together? They shouldn't <laughs> be together. You know, like. What a what a an interesting time as a fan when you read something like that, Brian. Can you remember reading about that incident? No, not at all. Wow. No, I mean, again, how long? How long is it? We've already established. I can't remember what you said thirty seconds ago. That's fair. Let That's alone. a fair point. And that was, <laughs> I mean, let's let's be fair here. Let's 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 really give give Brian. You know all the proper credit here because honestly, that's 1984 when that happens. That's not. Is that, was that's that not 84? just yesterday. It's that's like right after Hogan wins the title from the Sheik. All right. So now, to be perfectly honest, in '84, mm-hmm. I don't even think I was watching the WWE. Right, because uh, they weren't on ESPN. Right, and. I don't know if I had USA yet. All right, okay. USA gives me. Eventually, it turns into what Tuesday, uh, Tuesday Night Titans or something. Yeah, like that. TNT, and then, and then you, that turned that turned into Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't even know if I had it right. So all my experience with the WWE at that time would have been anything I read in the magazine. Uh, now, of course, I knew uh, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was maybe '85 or '86, mm-hmm. maybe '84, maybe um, LJN's, which I don't think came till a little bit later. Um, so, I mean, again, my 
my first actual WWEF show I can remember mm-hmm. is like watching the uh, beta tape or VHS tape for WrestleMania. Oh, wow. Right, because if you remember back then, um, well, I don't know if you were here yet, but Rob should remember CMP Video. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's where you went to get wrestling videos. They had, like, a room full of them. So any WWF stuff would have come from videos, mm-hmm. um, especially back then. Um I may have been watching it, but it wasn't. I, I don't think it was until, God, I want to say probably 86, 87, that I had the ability to watch it. I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember reading about that incident. I don't remember reading about it. I remember hearing about it like on the news. You remember, uh, who was it, John Stossel used to always want – he seemed like he just wanted to get wrestling exposed. So he always – every now and again he'd do a, a, a spotlight or a show where he would talk about pro wrestling and then he'd, of, of course, talk about Duggan and, and the Iron Sheik. Let's not forget they got arrested. Like, he, he was always the guy that would do that. Well, I mean, I think that back then, you know – I think for me, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan because you had the veil of, you know, you didn't have 24 hours. Not everybody was trying to break a story without getting the facts straight, you know, and like the company still had control of what you knew, mm-hmm. you know, and I just remember being a fan, like, all right, what's going to happen? Oh my goodness, you know, and seeing it and. Um, but I think like pro wrestling illustrated and the wrestler and those did a great job with the, they showed you, they pulled the veil back a little bit, but then the, on the next page, the veil was back, back in place. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like when they broke the story of Mike Von Erich, you know, and the, the tragedies, the Von Erichs had, you know, and then all of a sudden the next page is, you know, Al Perez is going against so-and-so for the world-class championship, you know, can they overcome? And it was just like, as a kid, it was that like, Oh dang. But then you're like, okay, cool. I'm back into wrestling, you know? And so Mm -hmm. they did a good job balancing both. And, you know, a few years ago when we were able to meet Bill Apner and talk to him, you know, the amount of stuff that man has forgotten about wrestling, you know? Right. I think that's what, that's what I remember the best about all the different things that happened within that age, that time frame is, is just the, the Holy crap. I can't believe this happened or that happened or, you know, all of the different moments that you really didn't. Cause like when WrestleMania six happens, for example, we, you know, you see what's on television as far as Hogan and, and the Warrior is the ultimate challenge. Um, but if you didn't happen to have the, the parent that was going to say, sure, let's pay 40, 50, 60, however much it was back then. 
um, for the pay-per-view, you had to wait until the ma the magazine came out for the results. Maybe you'd get the video before you'd see the magazine. You didn't have right. you didn't have like a well, I guess you could have called back then the nine hundred numbers, but even then you still didn't see it, and it was those magazines that just connected you as a fan. Yeah, I mean today with social media and with everybody trying to break a story, you really don't even have to watch wrestling to keep up to date on what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, because everybody's trying to be the first. Not necessarily the most correct, but, you know, like, and yeah. I think that's with all media. But, like, you know, everybody wants to be first. And and to me, it kind of, like, it takes that desire or that need to, like, hunt out the information. You know, like, if you want to know what happens at All Out, or Bound for Glory, or All or Nothing, or WrestleMania, you just have to watch it, or wait for the for the next week and find out the results. But now you don't even have to watch it; you can just sit there and keep mm -hmm. refreshing your Twitter feed, and right, you'll you'll know everything, including clips, <laughs> the right. Little the little GIF files that that people post, GIF, GIF, whatever they're called. I don't think there's a technical term, sir. Videos displayed in your feed. There we go. Short video clips of nonsense. No. Now, before before we, we got you on here, Rob, Brian and I were talking about, you know, the, the way we found our news, the way we got access to rumors and stuff. Brian talked about how, you know, he met Bill Apter when he was, when he was 17 out in Richmond. Did you ever have any of those kind of moments when you were younger? Like when you would, did when you went to a show? No, I didn't go to shows until I was much older. Ah, the first okay. show I ever went to was with you all. Um, wow. Yeah, like I I was a fan, but I never got to go mm -hmm. to it, per se, just because of just not having the ability. But, um, right. you know, I, I guess my biggest, my first aha, like, wow, this is cool, was wow. when... I told y'all the story of like my mom did the writing projects for her sixth grade classroom mm -hmm. and she made them all pick a wrestler from the WWE WWF at the time. Um, and they all got to write it. Well, when she sent all the letters in, then they sent her a big old like press pack of every wrestler that the students wrote to sent an autographed picture back. And then they also had extras of those pictures. And I got to keep those, which the only one I remember having now still is Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. um, but being a kid at that age, is like, I got Hulk Hogan, you know? And as later years, someone's like, it's fake, it's fake. So they did the little like, lick their finger and rub the end of the H and it's like, oh, it's real. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, jerk. <laughs> There's no it's shortage of people that want to ruin it for every other uh, for other people. It's, it's those things. Like, there's things that, you know, you have in life and memories and things you think about and stories your parents have said and, you know, you get to a point in your life where you don't really need to know the truth. <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> Because it's kind of like, this is what I've had in my head since I was five, okay? Just leave it alone. <laughs> so, 
now we're, we've kind of brought everybody up to speed. Brian was talking about ECW Magazine and what, how it introduced him into like what this new company was, this new, more hardcore, more violent wrestling version was. Was there a time for you, Rob, where there was a, a publication or an issue that came out and you, you found a, a new outlet or a new thing that you had to look up? Um, not really. I mean, most of mine came with the getting cable TV mm-hmm. and having ESPN and then flipping the channels and seeing world-class and AWA on, on ESPN and, you know, just going, wow. Um, and like going to my grandmother's house and for a visit and, as we drove past the ballpark in this small town of White Sulphur Springs, I looked down in the ballpark and there was an NWA ring. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and of course, my grandparents were like, we ain't got time for that. You know? Right, right. Like, huh? <laughs> but, um, I mean, I didn't really look up new stuff. Because obviously back then, you didn't have a whole lot of way to. And I remember getting into ECW... Um, probably after you all had already gotten into it and you, you were like, hey, look at this. Because there's still a lot of ECW that I still don't, I still haven't watched. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one of the, the first time I saw Blood was Kurt Henning in AWA. That was the bloodiest match I remember ever seeing as a kid. Because um, I remember I was watching it and I was just like sitting there with my mouth open like, oh my God. <laughs> And my mom walks through the room like, that's gross. <laughs> and she kept walking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or when I think it was Kurt Henning pushed Jimmy Snuka off the top rope. And Jimmy Snuka landed on the concrete. You right. know, and there was blood everywhere. And they were like, and then, you know. Oh, my God. So but, let's, uh, uh, let, let's pivot here for a second because we're, we're talking about you know, the moments and those are all great, but we were, the focal point still remains on kind of these news publications. Did you guys ever read the letters to the editor where Eddie Elner or Stu Sachs would respond back to the fans that would write in? I'm sure I did. That was up near the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually on the inside cover, inside cover would have like the, the, the editor's note to the fans, this is what we're covering this month. And then the next page usually had letters to the editor and letters to the to the staff, the mailbox or the mailbag or whatever they called it back then. Oh, I'm sure I did. I always loved when, um, and again, I, I, I know that it, it was most likely a pseudonym, but Eddie Elner, when he would respond back to fans and he would just berate them, for loving Hulk Hogan and berate them for loving like Dusty Rhodes. And he would talk about how ingenious Ric Flair was. And it was, this is so earlier, Brian, when I asked you, was there ever like an article or anything that kind of helped you or taught you who to boo or who to cheer? That was where I kind of got that. Wow. Why does he, why does he love this guy so much? Like, why doesn't he like Hulk Hogan? Like I always liked the, the, the diversity in, in opinions from those types of articles and those, those types of letters. With, oh, you lost me there. 
No, no, yeah. it, was, it, it was a statement. I wasn't asking you a question. Oh. I was, I was giving you like a half second if you were gonna chime in, but you're fine. With, with, with <laughs> I, I was see, a kid hey, reading wrestling attention. magazines. I was looking at the pictures and wow. the results. I wasn't reading letters to the editor. I was like, oh god, I read the to cover over and over again, like looking for everything, everything. If you ask my mom, the last book I read was C Spot Run. <laughs> Okay, well, I didn't know we were talking about education, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, with with what I looked forward to the most, and we started getting it more and more because you remember towards the late nineties, ninety four, we started getting the almanacs, the yes. paperback books that would have all of the results of the year and you know a lot of different things. I always liked the end of the year awards and the pwi 500s was there ever a guy uh we'll start with brian was there ever a guy or or, or a tag team that didn't get on those lists that you thought belonged there or belonged at the top um not quite tracking your question there uh let me try to rephrase so, so yeah. What, what you're asking is, out of 500 people, is there anybody that I thought deserved it? Well, maybe and even didn't. just looking at different top tens, and you're like, no, this guy should have been PWI Wrestler of the Year, like number one on PWI 500, or you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, again, that's a question I couldn't tell you. You're going, um, but I, 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 I'm, I'm sure I did. I'm sure we we all had conversations. Mm-hmm. Right, because I know that um, when it would be bought, we would sit around and talk about it. But yeah, I mean, to, to, for me to try and remember, you know, one specific person or team mm-hmm. for you know one specific year, I couldn't do it. I always remember those conversations about the the PWI five hundred, for example. Those are the ones that weren't necessarily heated, but they were the most passionate. Especially like if there was a year where, like, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels was number one or number two, or Ric Flair or you know Sting or whoever. You know, it doesn't really matter who, but we would have great debates on. Wow, this guy was better because he he defended here, here, and here, and you could literally go through the almanac and find. Look at this title defense. Look at this title defense. Oh wow, we forgot this match even happened. Like, it was – you just don't have that kind of a, a, a resource. I don't want to say free resource anymore because none of them are, are kept up the way that the PWI used to be. I mean, I agree. I mean, we used to love looking at it and seeing, you know, my favorite thing of the Almanac was always seeing the title changes mm-hmm. and how detailed it was because it wasn't just like, oh, hey, so-and-so won the belt. And then somebody else won it from them. It was the date, the arena, the city, you know, like. Right, right. Um, and it was it was pretty cool to watch because, you, like you said, you go back, you go, oh, I forgot he was the intercontinental champion. Or mm-hmm. I forgot that, you know, he had this belt and was that belt. And so those were fun. I mean, in reference to the 500, I mean, of course, there's years that you're like, all right, this person should have been higher. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, as a kid, I was a big Rick, Ricky Steamboat fan and a big Tito Santana fan. And, you know, like, I was always like, oh, I could have been better or done this, you know. But it was, uh, you know, I was a kid. And I'm like, well, maybe they know something I don't. <laughs> Chico Santana. Remember, Jesse Ventura would call him a Texican. <laughs> yeah. Arriba! That guy, one of the hardest and best performers in wrestling, you know, Tito Santana was. But always, always, he was the guy they would make fun of. He was the guy they would pick on. (laughs) Remember the the one year at Survivor Series where it was Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and Tito. And you knew the guy that was going to get beat up a majority of the match was going to be Tito (laughs) at the uh, Survivor Series. Those are the kind of things you remember from back back in the in the nineties in the in the yeah, golden imagine age. Imagine them approaching him, approaching him. They're like, "Hey, you're going to be in a match with with Hogan and Neil Warrior." Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm, but you're going to be the guy who takes it most of the time, right? Then they're going right. to come in and save you <laughs> after after you get eliminated. They're going to come in and save the match. When when you go through. When you go through like the, the publications that were your favorites, like for me, I remember going through and picking up. I was telling Brian earlier that I, I pick up the wrestling spotlight, the WWF spotlight magazines, the bios. Like Bret right. Hart had like three or four. Rob, for you, did you get into the spotlight ones? I know you said you had the WWF subscription. How about the WCW? Like, was there a, was there one that was like your go to all the time? No. I mean, I had I had the WWE WWF magazine, but I never really got a WCW magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think it was like Inside Pro Wrestling was another one that would come out that I would mm-hmm. get every now and then. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, as an adult, you realize that it's probably the same damn magazine I bought with like the wrestler or whatever, just with a different cover. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know. With things put in different places, Bill Abner's in his basement going, we'll get them. <laughs> um, but uh, they don't really have a go-to for WCW. I mean, uh, I was always a WWE, NWA. Like, I was a wrestling fan. I just never kind of picked up on their mags. Mm-hmm. Same thing with their figures. Like, I kind of picked up a figure here and there. Like, I remember I have a Barry Windham figure. And then a couple others, but it was always like, you know, it was the WWE LGNs has always been my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Looking through when you when you go back and you go to Google now and you you type in, for example, WCW magazine, you can see all the different covers. And, and the cool thing that it re, that it brings me back to was the the storylines that to me got great TV play, but the, the magazine really helped support. Like the Dangerous Alliance. When the Dangerous Alliance came to be back in 92, um, you know, WCW TV was being taped, as Brian described earlier today, you know, hours at a time, six-hour tapings. So you didn't, if you were at that one, if you were fortunate enough to be at a taping, you had all the results. But otherwise, it was spread out over the power hour, over the main event, uh, later, WCW Saturday Night, um, and, and I'm probably missing something else. But 
the magazine was what tied it all together. And I can remember because in 91 and 92, I was kind of a young WCW fan. I was still a big, big fan for Sting. And it was one of my, my favorite things to do was to track down WCW magazine because that was like the one that was always the hardest to find for me. Sting. <laughs> Remember when Vader beat Sting for the WCW title, for example. And on the Power Hour, they would show a clip of it and Sting just grasping at his ribs. And they were like in an injury that was not reported last week. And then a couple weeks later, I remember finding WCW Magazine where they talked all about how Sting hurt his ribs. And I was like, oh, wow, that that makes sense. I understand it now. Right. I mean, I remember back, like, watching those things and then, you know, always wondering if Bobby Eaton was going to take out the flags and the roof, you know? like Right, um, right. But I don't remember picking up. I remember kind of staying – because one thing I liked about the wrestler and first illustrated in those was that it was always it covered everybody, mm-hmm. you know. So like I would get the managers of WCW and World Class and AWA and kind of that way, you know. That's where I first learned that Hogan had been an IWGP tam- champion, you know. Like mm-hmm. where I first heard of Japan, I'm like, whoa. I remember looking at, I think one of the first one of the first issues of Pro Wrestling Illustrated that I ever read, and you know, Brian, I won't I won't ask you to remember the first issue. I know that's tough, but thank you. No problem, buddy. the The first one that I can remember seeing was, um, it was a end of the year awards, and I want to say it was like 1989 because it had Hogan on the cover, and. I remember looking at it and thinking to myself, you know, wow, this is – because for me, and, and as a kid, you see a magazine in the store. To me, that's major news, right? That's like just as like seeing it on TV if you see it on, you know, NBC News or something. So I was like, wow, he's on the cover of all these magazines. To me, it seemed like it made the star power grow from those kinds of things. I could agree with that. I mean – because as a fan, especially with, as a young fan, you're like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. this magazine, this wrestler that I've been watching on TV is on this magazine. This magazine is in this store that everybody that I know comes to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wow. Um, I mean, it's still kind of like, you know, as you're growing up and you started seeing, you know, wrestling on mainstream networks and being covered by mainstream, like, sports and media, you know, like, I remember growing up in the D.C. area and George Michael Sports Machine would have oh yeah WWE results. And you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's on there. Um, so. Yeah, yeah that, those were those were big moments. I remember um, when Hogan was on the outs with WWF and he was headed to WCW and I remember seeing the coverage and I felt like PWI and The Wrestler, those were the only magazines that actually treated it like a true story whereas WCW had it slanted of course in their favor, WWF was looking to bury them. It was like the first time you saw a company or a magazine or something like that, in my opinion seem almost like neutral or unbiased even though I mean, now we look at it, we're like, yeah, there's obvious 
bias and there's always comments about who truly favored who or which company but it was it was interesting when Hogan in 94 moves to WCW how that was treated with PWI yeah I mean I remember seeing it realizing that as an adult you know like I've always followed like the award shows you know Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I started reading this one magazine that I realized that, that the nominations and stuff are all based on how much money the studios give these organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, like if your show gives, if say Monday Night Raw gives more money to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, then they're going to cover that more mm-hmm. than they would cover WCW kind of thing, you know? So it's like, I guess that's always kind of happened, you know? And it's like, it was kind of nice to have it, as I, as I said before, a neutral. You know, like you saw, like, I mean, where else are you going to see Lex Luger holding the Florida championship? You right, know? right. Or that's where I first heard of the uh, the Mr. mysterious Western States Heritage title, you know? <laughs> a championship that uh, Barry Windham would take pictures with. It would be on WCW trading cards. And they would never name it. They would never identify it. Like on the back of the cards, there would never be former Western States Heritage Champion Barry Windham. No, it was just Barry Windham. It's like, what the hell? What's this title he's got? Right. Yeah, but I mean, that was defended, though, in the NWA. And I would imagine uh, they probably would have lost rights to it because I don't think it was NWA, like Crockett specific. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like the uh, junior heavyweight tag champions, and right? Some right. of these other ones, they were they were titles held and defended in other parts of the country, but because they were under the NWA banner, it would travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and again, I would imagine they couldn't name it because they probably lost the rights to it or didn't want to give the other company you know credit well that definitely makes sense because 89 90-ish is when the NWA kind of separates from WCW as far as how they how they track lineage mm-hmm. so we talked about the magazines Brian even got us all the way up to ECW magazine which started in I want to say late 96 into 97 might be off on that. Um, but we got the wow magazine. Rob brought that up and that was kind of the last of the major wrestling magazines. Now pro wrestling illustrated in all fairness, pro wrestling illustrated is still released on a monthly basis and you can subscribe to it through uh, pwionline.com. So it's still an active publication, but for a good while it had shut down. Did you guys ever get any, um, any newsletters outside of the wrestling magazines that we've talked about so far? No, I'm pretty sure we established you did that, and that's why you had no friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote for one. I mean, uh, you know, that's true. That's true. Well, I was well, I was 100. When you in. make it up, when you make it up, of course you can write for it. Yeah. Well, I did do that. I did do that. And see, Rob. Rob's going back in the vault there. Rob just dipped back into one when I was uh, just getting into Culpepper, thinking I was a young entrepreneur. 
selling wrestling newsletters. Rob, how many do you think I sold? One. Yeah, there you go. Maybe two. <laughs> I did have a couple people that were interested, but no, never anything outside of that. But I remember, I remember the because it was before, when I first got to Culpepper, um, I had been writing for one that was out of New York. It was uh, the wrestling manager, but I had never even heard of outside of the wrestling chatterbox. I think is what I saw because the chatterbox every now and again had ads in PWI. But outside of that, I never saw any other newsletters, magazines, or anything like that outside of the big ones. Okay, man. We'll take that to work. I appreciate all that. Right. Thank you. Don't have to get <laughs> mean about it. <laughs> Don't get hot about it. All right, all right. Sorry, guys. Jeez. Uh, it's because you're the one who ran up your mom and daddy's phone bill with the 900, you know, talking uh, to No, 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 no. I never called the 900 number. That was the one thing I didn't do. I ran one back in the day briefly we're not talking about that kind of 900 number fool oh sorry okay <laughs> we, we won't talk about that <laughs> no I, I didn't have an actual 900 number but there used to be i don't know if you guys ever caught these back in ecw's initial extreme championship wrestling days so like 95 ish there used to be like these you could, they were long distance calls basically but you could call in like a voicemail box and you'd catch the wrestling news and it would beep. You could leave a message for the guy that was given the news and he would respond back to it maybe the next week or so. Wow. Yeah. So then how much did that cost you? Uh, it was a long distance call. So whatever the long distance charge was of a, how long were those recordings? So like Two minutes, three minutes. call you back or? No, no, he would, like, if you called back the following week, because usually it was um, it was a weekly recording he would do, and I don't remember the guy. Maybe it was, it may have been Joey Styles, actually. Um, but anyway, you would leave a message like, wow, I can't believe that Shane Douglas said that about the NWA. And then he would, the following week, and we got a message from Stan of Virginia that, you know, you can't believe that Shane did that. Well, let me tell you what Shane oh, said. Geez. You know what I mean? Like, he would interact with fans like that. It was kind of neat. It was like basically like a call-in radio show, only not. <laughs> and think about Sorry. it. I mean, what, what a well, way to, get, is still, to interact. Like Brian, Brian uh, Stan, Stan's dad is still pissed at the phone bill, so. Yeah, That's yeah but I mean, true. it was <laughs> – it would be one thing if, like, you know, it was a <laughs> Facebook messenger, but, I mean, you know, like, hey, uh, Joey, you know, what does Shane think of this? And didn't he respond back or something? Right, but, right. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of funny that you would get all excited <laughs> over that. It was cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the bad part is, you could show up to school and talk to your other wrestling buddies and be like, hey, did you hear what Joey Styles said last night about Stanford, Virginia? That's me. Yeah, right, right. Nobody. We're all like, what? Get yeah. out of here. You're making it up. Yeah. Well, because what normally would happen would he be like, hey, and from Stanford, Virginia, beep. Yeah, right, right. Got to call <laughs> in next week. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> Those were those were like the, the we, we talk about it a lot, the golden days 
of being a fan. Like before Facebook and Twitter were out there, before you know, not to sound curmudgeony, but what the hell? Curmudgeony. <laughs> curmudgeony. Yeah, that's a word. That's definitely a word. Look it up. Can you spell it? Uh, Can you use it? What's the nation of origin? <laughs> the nation of origin? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to have to throw a BS flag on that one. C U R Mudgeny. But, I mean, Rob, you said it earlier. It, it was, now it's everybody wants to be first. For example, you know, this past Friday, Zelina Vega came back to WWE. <laughs> And qualified for the Money in the Bank match. Now, she didn't win a match to qualify. She was named as qualified for Money in the Bank. One of the guys that, during the 90s, made his money off of fans like myself. I did not subscribe to him. But, like me. um, Dave Meltzer decides that he has, you know, his own opinion. He wants to share about Zelina and her. He and Zelina Vega go back and forth on Twitter, basically where Vega's like, you know, I don't have any respect for you. You don't care about women in the industry. As Brian's talked about quite a few times, this is the same guy that told the Young Bucks and Cody that hey, you can never fill a 10,000-seat arena. I'm wondering how he feels about that bet now. But when you think about you know the, the commentary that we see nowadays, it's easy to find somebody that's uh, – that's an easy mark, you know, an easy mark to, to rile them up. Back then, well, wasn't that way. Oh, uh, no, wait. I beg to differ because you just admitted to calling the ECW hotline and leaving a message and then marking out with Joyce Styles. Oh, well, come on now. I mean, uh, Stanford, Virginia. <laughs> teenage, so we have teenage Stan Grubb right was here. a huge, huge mark. No, no, no. That's, there's think, no argument to that. <laughs> teenage Stan Grubb was a huge mark. Period. I, I think, Let's just I put think the period, the emphasis on the right syllable, <laughs> however you want to word it. <laughs> I think the adult stand grub might be a huge mark, too. <laughs> hey, uh, Joel Gertner, that's that's uh, oh, how I how go. I came into contact with Joel Gertner, too, which was cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I mean, hey, you, you get those you moments sure that are him? pretty neat. Are you sure it was him and not the janitor? It could have been somebody that sounded a lot like him, but... Be like, (laughs) hey, Ted, this week you're Joel Gertner. Amuse this kid. It just happens to be somebody that could do that one little uh, gimmick line that he used to do back in the day. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of voice actors that sound the same. I mean... Right. There's not only there's there's not one voice for Kermit. There's like five people that do that. So, <laughs> you know, there could be four or five like, hey, stand for Virginia. Oh my God! Oh. <laughs> this is Hulk Hogan, and I want to say thank you for being a fan. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I mean, just Save look at how many people can do Randy Savage. Like, oh my God. That's why I'm I'm so glad I I am glad that I never called the 900 numbers because the the long distance calls were probably enough to get me in a whole lot of trouble. But <laughs> if I did that, it would have been like Mean Gene Oakland reading it at two words per minute. <laughs> All right, so I'm glad you brought up Vega. Okay, right, we can take a little side trip. Oh yeah, right? yeah of course. 
So, I, 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 I mean, there's a part of me that says that she was only brought back to bring her husband back. Mm. That's a fair statement. But I remember them talking about bringing her back before they even let him go. That's why I was surprised when I saw that he was cut. Right. Because I remember seeing that they're like, oh, Selena Vegas, Vegas coming back. Vegas going to be coming back to the WWE. And then it's like, Aleister Black's been fired. I'm like, wow. Wait. Right. You know. But I would imagine it's probably they they were bringing her back to make him happy. And then now that I would see them, they I, I think they realized a mistake to let Aleister Black walk. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, they already admitted that. Um, <laughs> that was a huge mistake mm-hmm. when they cut That's him. That's what loose. happens when somebody in the other room is making the cut list before Triple H and those people can see it. Right. You, know, like, you didn't see this email, did you? Uh, yeah, I sent the email. Yeah, because I think... Uh, moron! <laughs> I think Khan's already come out and said, uh, my bad. Yeah. Didn't mean <laughs> to do that. Well, it, But it, I... Go ahead. I, I hadn't heard to... that about Selena, though. I thought, because, uh, I mean, she's been gone for, I mean, she was close mm-hmm. to being able to appear on TV wherever she wanted. Maybe a couple weeks away. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it, it was a mistake to begin with to cut her loose. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, personally, don't think she was coming back if Alistair Black had been like, "I'm not coming back." Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I would, I would agree with you there wholeheartedly because, I mean, you look at it, you finally got your wife got fired, and now you got fired, so now you all can work together again. Right. <laughs> yes, honey, sign that contract. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would venture to say part of the negotiations was. I'm not coming back unless she comes back. Right, right. Right. And then when when he got fired, her her negotiation went, um, I'm not showing up this week. I'll show up next week, but my husband better be on your roster. Right. Well, I mean, there's look at Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe was released. Uh, you know, he's been back for a couple of weeks. But two months prior was when he was released. And it was when he gets brought back in for NXT that we find out Triple H caught wind of him being released and was furious because now he was on the board for anybody to pick up. So he right Right. away reaches out and says, oh, whoa, 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 we'll have something for you. Give me a second. You know, as he tries to smooth out what Nick Khan is trying to apparently destroy. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I mean, Khan is just a. The uh, guy to blame, right? Ultimately, once again, is Vince McMahon. Well, I feel well, like I also think that this shows exactly how messed up the communication is. Oh yeah, you know, like if it's true that Triple H had no idea, right? You know, I mean, one of your executive vice presidents that's actually involved in the in the business doesn't know that his people are getting cut. Like, hold up. Yeah. But again, though, it is Triple H's person, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, right. if you look at the success he had in NXT and compared to what he did on the main roster, it's night and day, right? right. Same right. thing with Aleister Black. Same thing with Selena Vega. Same thing with Buddy Murphy. I mean, 
most of the ones that have been cut loose were stars for NXT, went to the main roster, and didn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also right when that started happening, if you remember. Like, they had those handfuls that came, like, basically after the Shield went up. And those, you know, the women. Then after that, like, Samoa Joe started going up and, you know, Shinsuke and those. It's like they just, they went up. They had a little pop, and then they fizzled. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, but then if that shows you anything, it kind of makes you feel bad for some of the others that got cut because ain't nobody say nothing for them. You know, like, like you know, Triple H's like, hold up, Joe got cut? No, 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 they ain't right. Nope. Nobody say anything about Braun. You know, mm-hmm. like, bye. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I feel bad for like the day it happens. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it's kind of like, what did you expect? Right. And, and, you know, some of these people, I mean, I, I don't understand. I, I mean, I understand how you could, like, be in a business, profess to love it, and then not get used, but you still walk in and pick up your check. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. However, you're professing to love something, right? Why not be like some of these other people and be like, look, uh, I'm out. You say you have nothing for me. Mm -hmm. I'm gone. Use me or cut me. That's right. right. You know, others have done it. Why, Why would you profess to, you know, have a love for the business only to sit around and let them abuse you, put you in crappy storylines, or not even use you at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that, that's what I've had for years. Like, you see these things, like, and unfortunately, it takes some tragedy or something to happen, and then, you know, they have everybody out on the roster standing there, and you're going, holy shit, I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that person still worked there, you know? Right. like, And then I'm like, do they come to the arena every week and get in their gear not to be used? It's like, why would you get dressed if you know they're not, you know, like, but then again, you know, it's, it's like we joke every time they have cuts, like, uh-oh, so-and-so is going to be, ch- you know, shaking in their boots. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I think the person shaking in their boots on the female side is Carmella because she next. Um, <laughs> um, but Dana Brooke, you know, Dana Brooke, Ooh, I, I yeah. can see that one. Yeah. Dana Brooke. Um, what's her name? What's the other one? Mandy Brooke. Mandy. Oh, Mandy Rose, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and it, getting back to Nick Khan for a second, I think he's he's what we call a liquidator. He's in there to save money. He's in there to – he's not looking at names. He doesn't care. And I think there's even – honestly, there's stories out there where Nick Khan just does not know who these people are. He's just looking at a list, yeah. looking at contracts, saying, okay, this guy's got to go, this guy's got to go. But again, though, there is one guy that could save him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, if you go back and look at the ones that have asked for releases or been fired, the majority of them, the overwhelming majority of them, mm-hmm. were individuals that were A, came up through NXT, or B, from another place. Mm-hmm. The Good Brothers. 
Right. Right. Are you kidding me? You had the one of the hottest tag teams in the world, and you pissed it away. Literally at one of the one of the uh, tops of their careers, by the way. Yes. Yes. Right. Well, like you had Matt Hardy. They had Matt Hardy at his resurgence mm-hmm. with the broken thing, you know, and then just didn't figure out how to use it and then had him sitting on the shelf to the mm-hmm. point where he was like 15 weeks until I'm on my own and I can go do my thing. He was doing a countdown. And then what WWE do? Oh, wait a minute. And extended his contract a year, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, it's exactly what Brian's saying, you know, like. Matt Hardy was saying, use me or cut me. Mm -hmm. Like, I've given them ideas. They won't do it. Um, And there was somebody recently that got cut that was saying that. Like, I I went to them with all these ideas, and they didn't want to do it. But Oh, who was that? Chelsea Green and Mickey James. Yeah. Chelsea Green's problem, I think, was that she just kept getting hurt. There was somebody else too, bigger, like bigger than them, that got cut. Um, I'm trying to remember. They just did an interview like last week about it. Well, the Bollywood boys, um, the the guys that used to second um, uh, gender. We said we said somebody bigger than Chelsea Green. Okay. <laughs> well, what what I'm saying and though you is went that... to the Bollywood boys. Hey, they were they were good. They didn't get a, a fair opportunity, um, but there was there's people that had potential that was really able to that could have grown within the industry and really become bigger stars that were never given that role. Miro is another great example of that. He was pitching stories that they were turning down. Um, Lana even says in her most recent interview that she was pitching stories that they were turning down. Um, Brian, you can you can fill me in on anybody I'm missing here, but it's it's not exactly just one person that says that they've been pitching things. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about Peyton Royce. Mm, it might have been her. I forget who it is. There, there's a like a one of the bigger ones that got cut loose. That was like, yeah, I would pitch stories all, all the time, and they would be like, okay, and then you, you nothing happens. Ruby right. Riot, same way. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I just, I think it's foolish, even for, even for Black and and uh, Zelina to go back. I think it's absolutely foolish. What in the world makes you think that with the way they treated you prior to getting cut, mm-hmm. they're going to change once you come back? Well, especially when you look at Zelina Vega, she's not going to stop streaming on Twitch. That's not going to stop happening, right? So you you released her because she went on Twitch and started talking about being in support of, wasn't it wrestling unions, unionization yeah. and wrestling that she got fired for? So she was on Twitch doing that. She was on Twitter talking about that. So I guess That's maybe she now got she in comes, trouble for. Yeah, so maybe now she comes back and doesn't doesn't talk about unions, which... You know, hey, if they want to unionize, let them unionize. I don't, I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, but I, I have to agree with Brian because when you look at a guy like Aleister Black, who was only supposed to be gone, what did he say in his interview? Six weeks. He was supposed to be gone. Turns into three months. 
Three months. And you don't still have, have no direction. Right, right. Comes back, attacks uh, Big E, and has new music, new new vignettes. I mean, they've laid out a new character kind of thing for him. And I came back. Yeah, magically. <laughs> and, uh, well, hey, if Ray can do it, then by God. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, you, you set this up, and then... Suddenly he's gone, like, the following week. Like, you just saw him on television, and he's gone. You're like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. Samoa Joe just worked WrestleMania, and you let him go. Like, what are you doing? How do you let this kind of thing happen? How do you how do you let these people go, but you keep a guy like, and no disrespect to, to the work that Jackson Riker did as Phil Shatter, but Riker's nuclear hot as far as the commentary that he does outside of wrestling. You know, he gets Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake fired because of what he did. They get fired because they don't have a role for them, quote-unquote. And he gets suddenly put with Elias. Like, the the logic or the lack thereof, and Brian makes a good point, Vince has the opportunity at any given point in time when the, I guess, the list comes out to say, uh, no, can't let this person go. No, we have something for them. No, this guy's a star. Whatever. But for whatever reason, he just either rubber stamps it and says okay or doesn't care, which is outlandish to me thinking about all of the money invested. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to, like, we've talked about so many times how out of touch he is with reality and how he has only really ever cared about his top three or four people. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I think that for years they have shoved the three or four people down our throats. You even think back when Ben Hogan was the man, Mm -hmm. you know, for any wrestler, the way to succeed was to be in a program of some sort, some way with Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're the good guy, if you're the bad guy, or if it was, you know, when the warrior was there, you know, you had a little, it was just, you wanted to be involved. But then if it was outside the purview of those couple people, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could tell, like, in the, like the early days, back when they would talk for, like, let's say, the ultimate challenge, all right? They would promote the main event so much, and then the other parts of the card would kind of come together at the end, you know? Kind of what they're doing now. with It's like they promote one pay-per-view and Hell in the Cell, and then it's like, one match, and then it's like, oh, by the way, we also have this and this and this and this and this, and nobody cares. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but alas, we've said it before, and we should say it again, and we'll continue saying it until Vince is not to be rude, dead and gone, and not in charge anymore. Let's just so not I, condoning I, any violence against Vince McMahon. I'm just saying. <laughs> Okay. I'll go on record. I mean, I called Santana Garrett. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, I yeah. flat out called her. She was next. Mm-hmm. There is nothing different with Selena Vega. She and Aleister Black will be gone again within a year. There's nothing that's going to change with them two. They were willing to get rid of them once. They'll do it a second time within a year. Mm-hmm. 
And that that's that's why I literally have no earthly idea why anybody would sign with the WWE right now. I think I think honestly a lot of people do it so they could put that badge on their poster when they go to other places. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like, you're still living for that. Again though, why? Because on the indie circuit or in the 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 second and third ranked companies, or if you throw New Japan or ROH, the fourth and fifth ranked companies, you're gonna get more exposure because you're actually gonna be used properly. So Buddy Murphy's claim to fame, his WWF claim to fame, is being in a program with Rey Mysterio where I was dating his daughter. I mean, he's a former Cruiserweight champion, a former NXT tag champion. So, yeah, yeah I guess NXT... I guess that's the highest level he got to. Sure. <laughs> okay. For the when moment, he... yeah, he could claim that. He could very easily be champ in other places. Oh, sure. He's got talent. That, that, that guy's got a lot of talent. Sure. I mean, the type of talent where you could go to New Japan and be a superstar. Mm-hmm. And then that's saying a lot for somebody to go from over here to go to New Japan and be a superstar. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the obvious ones. I mean, a lot of these people that have been released, they came in, of course, with the best of intent, you know, thinking, ah, oh, NXT, we're, we got the new hot brand, blah, blah, blah. It was for a while. They go up to the main roster, as we've already described, cast aside, all these horrible things that happened. And, yeah, so to Rob's point, they, they leave now. They go wherever they're going to go, former WWE superstar in the indies, and then they go to, to your point, New Japan, Ring of Honor, wherever they go next. I think there's still, and I think that group is getting smaller and smaller probably by the month at this point. There's still a group of people out there that they're, for whatever reason, their goal is to get to WWE. I mean, you look at AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Like AJ Styles said, like when he signed his last contract, and he is like in where he's at right now, you know? Like, granted, mm-hmm. if they don't use him, he's like, well, whatever, I stay home, you know? Right, right. And and granted, he's been everywhere. He's done it, you know. Mm-hmm. He's at the other end, like Shinsuke Nakamura. They're at the other end of their career, where it's like, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly believe that there are those people because you look, and one minute they're saying WWE's cutting this person and this person, this person. And next next thing you see is the Performance Center posting, "Oh, look at our new crop of recruits," you know, like. I mean, if you're cutting people, why are you training new people? You know, like right. Yeah. And, and the the ultimate problem here, right, is they do not allow anybody on the main roster to become superstars. Mm-hmm. Right? They're stars. That's it. There's no super in front of. Them. And and for the program Roman Reigns is having right now. Mm-hmm. It's plateaued. Like he's not he's not punching through any glass ceiling. He's not gonna get, you know. He, he's not gonna be like a John Cena, or a Hulk Hogan, oh, or right, right. Ric yeah. Flair, or The Rock, or 
often, you know, he's not going to be that type of guy anymore because they do not breed that type of guy anymore. Well, I also think that they missed the boat when it came to him, when they finally turned him bad, you know, but then they refused to allow him to lose to anybody, you know, and it's like eventually the bad guy has to lose because then he gets to be the bad guy and play dirty. Not hide behind his brother every chance he gets or his cousin, you know, it's just for me, that's why I plateaued because it's just the story is the same. Okay, here we go. Roman's going to come out and one of the Usos is going to come out and he's going to interfere. And then Paul Heyman's going to do something. And oh, look, Roman's going to get his butt kicked. Oh, look, now they're interfering again. You know, it's just like, <sighs> yeah, but I mean, that type of that type of, of storytelling should be generating heat. Definitely. To the point that it should be nuclear by now. Right? Well, I think it's the fact that there's not. been no payoff. You know? It's like there would be a payoff to have this kind of storyline if he would lose. And then you had somebody with the belt and he got to be the nefarious bad guy like he began. But, but what I'm saying that, is the WWE's not going to allow that nuclear heat anymore. Right. I, I mean, I'll even lay money. If Brock could come back, right, mm-hmm. which is probably what they're building for for next WrestleMania, God forbid. Curse you. Curse me. Yeah. So Brock could come back and, like, they could have a six-month program and they're only going to let it build for so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, if you think about it, right, there are no legitimate superstars on the WWE roster right now. Well, and if I could, with what, Rob, with what you're saying, on one level, that that's true. You're not wrong on that. But what Brian's talking about is, is on an elevated point. This is more like Roman Reigns will never be the star caliber to even approach. Like, I think the closest he would ever attend to reach for would be Cena. Because he'll never be at Rock and Austin level. He'll never be at Hogan and Flair level because to what his I, and Brian you let me know if I got this wrong but what your point is that level star it just doesn't exist in WWE anymore it's just right. not in their vernacular yeah he'll never be seen a level right because they won't let him they won't let him right well they won't let anybody look at Seth Rollins right. Seth Rollins should be the top bad guy right now yeah and and that's that's one of my points about the WWE that's why I would never sign with him mm-hmm well, and, and what I wanted to bring up, and, and I'm actually kind of glad that we can we can close with this because I think this is pretty good. And I noticed this. Now, while I, I'm not 100% up to date on, on Dynamite, I didn't see all of it, but I watched a few pieces here. And what I really watched was Being the Elite. Ryan, did you see Being the Elite today? I did. And, okay. and that's the difference. Like, AEW creates superstars out of stupid mustaches. Right, right. But it's it's not that as much as what I took away from the ending. And, and Rob, if you haven't seen it, you can skip towards the end and you'll get to what the big finish is, the big payoff. For a year and a half, what AEW has been doing is, yeah, they're gaining ground. Yeah, they're gaining ratings and all that. But what they're really doing is they're building something out of literally out of nothing. Here's my point. The Dark Order has been, when they first started, the Dark Order was... Uh, who the hell are these guys? Who the hell is John Silver? 
Who the hell is Evil Uno? Why should we care? Today on Being the Elite, and this is exactly by design for the Bucks. I'm positive of this. They have said that the Dark Order should no longer be on. They will be no longer on Being the Elite. Because, quote-unquote, they got over, they were given too much. Two years ago, the Dark Order was a joke. Legit. Today, the Dark Order is, quite frankly, one of the most entertaining groups in the industry. And when they finally have that big victory moment, which, yeah, it's going to happen with Adam Page. It'll probably happen before the end of this year. Definitely going to happen in front of people. When that big moment happens and they win the tag titles, which, Brian, I'm almost convinced that that's who the Bucks lose to. Because the groundwork got laid on a YouTube channel, and the fans that see this that are tuning in, they're going to see the Dark Order and the Bucks, the Dark Order versus the Elite. And that, that could be our big money thing. Superstars created from literally nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's not meant to slight John Silver, Alex Reynolds, 10, uh, Colt Cabana, all of those guys. It's really meant is more of a compliment because they weren't given much when they first got there, but they were told to be probably told, hey, be patient. Be patient. Let's work this through. And they said, we're going to give you a platform. And that's what they did. So to your point, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's what AEW has done right. Counterpoint, anybody. Uh, sorry, I'm responding to my daughter. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. You know, I do that half-second pause, and then I go, okay, let's make sure I'm bringing everybody back in. Counterpoint, somebody. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, there would be if there was a counterpoint, but... Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I, I kind of agree that I could very easily... Uh, very easily see the Dark Order pulling off the tag team title mm-hmm. I, I, you know I do believe Paige does uh, up and Omega mm-hmm. um, but you know it, it, this is this this is you know again aew allows these 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 guys to 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 be themselves they're not yeah. you know they're not given scripts and told you have to remember this, you have to say this verbatim. You know, they're, they're not given that they're, they're allowed to be personalities. Right. And more so on being the elite than, you know, any of the other shows, but they're even on those shows, they're allowed to be personalities, mm-hmm. you know? And, and again, to make my point that I said earlier, I mean, the mustaches are taking on a life of their own. You know, that's what that's what's great about AEW. Right? <laughs> if you become a superstar or mega star, well that's what you become. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna give you the opportunity to do it. Um but and I do think I would I think it'd probably be Uno and Grayson that upend them. And then they're going to lose pretty quickly to um, Harwood and... Uh, oh, FTR, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll lose really quickly. Um, but again, it's it, it's going to be... 
I won't say that like it'll be like the Chris Jericho moment, mm-hmm. you know, where Jericho beats Triple H and at least for, you know, what a half hour or whatever it was, you know, he was champ, you know. But when he when he got the one two three, we we all jumped and you know screamed and you know. Um, but I could very easily see that happening, especially if they sneak it in there, which looks like. You know, after Kingston and Penta get a shot, that they they can very easily slip the Dark Order in there. Because I, you know, I think like on being the elite, the Dark Order is just gonna like sneak segments in there somehow. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they're just gonna somehow figure out a way to get segments into being the elite, which is ultimately mm-hmm. gonna piss the Bucks off to the point where eventually. You know, oh, yeah, well, we can settle this in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the loser is no longer on being the elite or somewhere. If you lose, you can no longer be on being the elite. And the dark horse is like, okay, well, you got to put your titles up. You know? And in true AEW fashion, it's going to be negative one that costs the Bucks the titles. See, I would think either that or Anna J, because they've been tormenting Stu for months with Anna J. I, I, I could see negative one though that would be a better feel good moment I think yeah and, you know it's they, they're all about giving the rub to people too mm-hmm. you know so I mean I can see that happening that playing out but again it, it shoots the dark order into super you know not super but into, into like even bigger stars than what they are now which and is, they're not afraid to do it. Which is getting back to the, the initial point, which is what that company is doing right now is they're saying we're not afraid to have somebody transcend what we do. Yeah. There, there's there's a, c- a certain amount of a vulnerability that they show when they're like, yes, let's let's we will let somebody become bigger than us because when that person does that, they will elevate us, which yeah. is I, what happened back during the Attitude Era. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's kind of... To me, it's kind of what they're doing with Kenny, mm-hmm. right? But Kenny right now is hampered with uh, Impact not having fans yet. Triple mm-hmm. um, A only being on Triple A every so often. Um, you know, I'm sure he's not at Triple A events like he is at Impact and AEW. Mm-hmm. But once the once he can get in front of these people, especially back in front of an Impact crowd, you know, to me, Kenny's that type that at least for a little bit, he can really ride that rocket and and become, you know, a modern superstar. And then Paige up in them would propel Paige that much further up. So let's let's go ahead and and as we come to the close here, um, coming up this week, NXT's got the Great American Bash um, we've got uh, Timmy, Timothy Thatcher, Tommaso Ciampa challenging MSK for the tag titles. Uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly going over, going at it again one more time. Johnny Gargano against Karrion Cross. Uh, we got Dynamite on Wednesday, which last Wednesday they had over eight hundred thousand viewers. Tells me that Almost their ratings are on the uh, upswing. Um, back on Wednesday nights. Then let's see here. We've got Shane. 
sent it over to us earlier, and I should have had it pulled back up. There we go. Um, and then we've got uh, Ring of Honor's Best in the World this weekend. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things happening for you to check out. Be sure to do so. Rob, where do they catch up with you on social media, buddy? Uh, Rob Hefner on Facebook. Uh, Rob Hefner C2C on Twitter and RDHUWB on Instagram. And on – nope, that's it. <laughs> Brian can be called at Vlad Dragul C2C on Twitter. <coughs> Brian Taylor on the Facebook. Um, and I, I always forget your, your Instagram. Is, is Tepish? Yeah, I think so. But I need to change the name. You ought to just make it all Vlad Dragul. Because that's 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 like my I'm, favorite. I'm, my, <laughs> that's my. I'm favorite. thinking about. It. I got to figure out if I can first. Uh, you can catch up with me at Stan Grubb everywhere at C2C Radio Show for Corner to Corner, uh, Corner to Corner on Instagram, Corner to Corner Wrestling Show on Facebook, and C2C Radio Show for all your Corner to Corner needs. That's gonna do it for us this week. Until next time. Wait. Time out. I think we should start plugging impacts. Well, I'm going to start plugging impacts next pay-per-view, which is in, uh, what's today? Two Saturdays from now. As the face of wrestling may very well change once again. The landscape. Mm, that's right. I believe it's Slammiversary. Mm-hmm. Now, Slammiversary has been doing teasers of, geez, six or seven different people. Everybody from Daniel Bryan to, at one point, it was a Rusev hint, the Iconics. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. We could see... Okada. Okada, yep. We could see some major, major shift there. We could, anyway. <laughs> and, and very easily, Impact could be the place that everybody comes from other federations to fight in, which is truly, really interesting. It would be good to see if that's where people start to come and see Impact maybe make a rise. I would like to see that, truly. Um, that's going to do it for us here at uh, Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch up with you next week. Right here, same bad time, same bad channel. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.